Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly for December 7th, 2022. My name is Barry McBride. I am the publisher of the OBR, also known as the Web Dork. I don't know. I gave that name to myself. It's kind of insulting, but eh, it works. And uh, I am here with OBR senior writer, a.k.a. beat writer, a.k.a. the legend, Mr. Freddie Greetham. How you doing, Fred? I can't hear you, Fred. I think you're muted. There you go. I said I'm feeling a lot better than I was the last couple weeks, so I'm doing good. Well, I, I, I don't think that that improvement in your health has anything to do with the quarterback performance last week. We'll get into that. Uh, I have some good news to share with everyone who is watching, uh, and that is that I don't have much to say today, uh, and uh, that means more room for your questions, uh, unlike last week when I just got off track and didn't have room for everybody's questions. So please uh, fire <laughs> away. <laughs> with your questions and comments in the chat room and uh, uh, we will get to as many as possible. I've also brought some questions from our ATI forum and we'll get to those if we have uh, room for those today. So uh, this again, uh, as usual, is your show. We want to talk about what you want to talk about, uh, not what I want to talk about. And the more input from you, the better the show tends to be. Uh, so until we uh, get going uh, with some questions here. Um, I, I'm just going to, I just got a couple things I want to say and get Fred's reaction to, and then we'll get to your questions. Um, Fred, uh, I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, that game last Sunday, it was a win. So, you know, let's just acknowledge it was a win. Uh, but that game, in my opinion, was horrible. That was one of the worst games I've seen in a long, long time. That, to me, was like something out of the 2000 Browns season. Thank uh, the good Lord that the Houston Texans were so inept because uh, the Browns, at least on offense, played a uh, horrible, horrible um, football game, and Deshaun Watson did not look very good. What are your expectations, Fred, for the type of improvement that we can expect from Deshaun Watson this week? Well, first of all, that's because you don't know who you're talking about. Mm. Good. As usual. Um, <laughs> no. Um, you know, we talk about this every week. Um, this team lost four games by nine points. We talked about how the Browns outplayed their opponent and they lost because the special teams collapsed or the defense right. collapsed. And they lost. It didn't matter. They outplayed them on offense or whatever. Right. I don't think it's so bad for once to get totally outplayed, especially on offense, but win somehow. I mean, those other teams like the Jets and the Chargers and the Ravens the first time and the Falcons, I didn't see them complaining when they got a win. So you got to just take it. Sometimes it's got to even itself out. Right. Um <clears throat> With that being said, it couldn't get any worse, you know, on the offensive side. So everything's going to be an improvement. And I got a theory there. I think that obviously it was the first game he played, but that if they didn't want to show him anything, the Bengals, they did a good job of it. So they might be lulling them to sleep. What are the Bengals going to be looking at in preparation for Watson? They saw that garbage. They have to say, wow. They could look at his film a couple years ago, but they can mm -hmm. literally say it's not the same thing. So I think that <clears throat> I think Stefanski will saw, see what he is, see where he was and realize they got to simplify some things. And, you know, and to me, the simplest uh, deal there is just have him run the ball more. I mean, what, what do you worry about Lamar Jackson? You don't worry about him throwing. You don't worry about anything but him taking off and running. That's what always right. gets gets the Browns. Why not just design a little more designed runs? And if they start clamping on him, then you start feeding Chubb and, and Hunt, and you keep them honest there. But 
but do you do more design runs, six, seven, eight yards. He had, I think he had seven the other day, um, but he had a couple that were pretty good and they got called back for holding or penalties. So I think that, I think that they will be markedly better on offense this week. But with that said, you know, this gave a chance for the defense and the special teams to finally get a little love and be relied on to carry or win a game. And that's what they did. So I think that that's a good thing. Sure. The Texans were bad, the worst team in the NFL, but, but I think that, um, you know, if you look at the bright side, you had the, the, I've been preaching it all year, the turnovers, they got Mm -hmm. four turnovers and they turned into 24 out of the 27 points. If the, if they can just get a couple turnovers a week, at least, I think that it'll go a long way on the defensive side all the way along. So, I mean, sure it was ugly, but it was almost like playing with your arm tied behind your back and they found a way to win. I mean, and so we've seen this for, I'd much rather see an ugly, uh, ugly win than a great looking loss because they failed at the end of the game. So what you're saying is Barry, count your blessings, be happy for the win, you know, be happy that the defense finally played like it, you know, like it's capable of. And well, what would you, you know, said if they'd have lost, if they'd have right. lost that game, you know, five to three, I mean, it'd really be, you know, a disaster. So as far as they live for another week, this is meaningful football in December mm-hmm. and, and I will say it's meaningful football as long as they win. And so I think that it's meaningful that Watson has to obviously play himself back into shape, whether it's this year or next year for everything, but they still have a chance if they win. And I think this is the toughest game on their schedule. And I think if you win this game, I think you're set up pretty good because I think the Ravens could very well go into a little spiral without, without Jackson. And so you win this week, maybe you can get back to 500 by beating the Ravens the following week. And then who knows, you got two out of three to finish the year and, and who knows what could happen. Meaningful football. I mean, that's all you can ask for after starting the year, you know, the way they did. Well, you are making me almost optimistic here, Fred. So congratulations and thank you for that. That's because I'm level-headed. <laughs> I certainly am not. All I can remember are those Watson passes bouncing off the AstroTurf or whatever they've got there in Houston. Uh, let's dive right into the questions uh, and uh, and go through some of the things <laughs> that we're getting in the chat room already here. Um, I want to jump right on something Manimal said because uh, – I, 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 I think he's right uh, that it wasn't just a factor of, of Watson being rusty. Uh, there were problems with the offensive line and this sort of ties into a question that I had that, you know, after seeing what, you know, Watson struggling uh, against the Texans, Stefanski, I would imagine is going to have to adapt a little bit. Could you see him, making changes on the offensive line or, you know, going with jumbo packages more or, um, you know, adapting a little bit based off of what he saw uh, against the Texans and and what he saw with Watson. Well, they could. Um, I look to see Michael Dunn has, has been on injury reserve for three weeks, so they can't bring him back. I thought maybe, you know, he was the backup center and, and he got right. a lot of reviews. And so I don't really know how Froholt, they say he's playing well, but that was one move I was thinking, but that's not going to happen this week. I don't know. They seem very slow to make any changes. I haven't seen really, I mean, even even when Deion Jones was struggling, they slowly moved Taki Taki into that position. They don't mm-hmm. just seem to, to, anoint anybody you know you know or bench anybody um so i would think maybe they might look i don't know what the big package could be i know hudson was sick today maybe he's somebody they can put in as a or chris hubbard and an extra lineman but yeah we've seen 
Teller struggle. We've seen Conklin struggle, Jed Will struggle. I mean, what we thought was the strength of the offense, you know, was the offensive line seems to have a little bit of some cracks in the armor. And the Bengals have, have been pretty stout here recently. They have a good front with Reeder and Hendrickson and mm. and the guys they have up there, Sam Hubbard. And so I think that they're going to be tested. And and so if they're going to be able to move the ground, move the ball on the ground, last time they did, I mean, I think Hunt and Chubb had about 176 yards, you know, in all offense against the Bengals the first right. time. And so um, I think obviously the Bengals will gear up for, for that and and they may take the route of you know try to make Watson beat him with his arm or legs now Brissett played very well against the Bengals might have been his best game of the year and and um he and he beat him you know he was hitting mm-hmm. Cooper in those that game and and Peoples Jones and so um I I think that they they do have to think outside the box and and pull out all stops because like I said this is, in my opinion, your season. They'll never admit that, but mm-hmm. you know, Stefanski was asked if he would do everything he could to to get a win, even if it meant benching Watson. He said no, he's not going to bench Watson. So that tells me that he doesn't really think he'll do everything he possibly can to get a win. Because if Watson came out and was playing like he did against the Texans, you know what you have with Brissett. Why wouldn't you? you know, at least insert him in there, see if he could get it going, you know, a spark, but right. they're very, they're very dogmatic on making changes. I said this when everybody wanted to fire Joe Woods or Mike Prefer or change position guys, or even change quarterbacks last year when Mayfield was struggling and he wouldn't go to Keenum. He just doesn't make changes. You mm-hmm. know, if he's going to make changes, it's going to be, on a bye week or after the season or whatever, they just, you know, seem to be set and set the course and this is what's going to happen. So. And that, you know. that to me might reflect on a change of philosophy in, <clears throat> at, at the ownership level, right? Because Haslam is a guy who I, I think reads the papers and reads the criticism that he has been too impulsive and is now not putting a lot of pressure on his chosen team. Uh, and as a result, those guys feel like they can make, you know, that they can be a little bit stubborn or, uh, you know, patient with how they make these moves, uh, as opposed to a lot of what you see around the NFL. Uh, let's keep rolling with the questions from uh, the, uh, the chat room. Uh, this next one comes from Andrew in the YouTube chat. And uh, interesting question here about uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, lined up out wide this week with all the injuries at the wide receiver per, uh, position. Uh, Bell, again, uh, was limited this week with his thumb injury, and he's wondering if we could see Hunt uh, lined up out uh, out wide a bit this week. Well, I think so. I think Kareem Hunt, you know, of all the players last week, he seemed to have a renewed zest. I mean, he was he he was running hard and had some quickness that I hadn't really seen a whole lot since maybe the season opener against Carolina. Um, he looked like he did a year or two ago. And I think maybe it's a couple of things. There's five games to go. He knows he's probably going to be a free agent. He sees, you know, opportunity and a payday. And so I think he's laying it on the line. And also I think he's got a new pep in his step with Deshaun Watson. I mean, the players are excited, you know, maybe, maybe it was disappointing last week's play, but I really think that, that he brings uh, a new level of energy. And I think the players are confident that he'll get this figured out. But um, yes, I mean, I was a little pleasantly surprised that bell was at practice today. He wasn't on the pre-injury report when he left in the first quarter last week with a hand injury and they, you know, he didn't return. And Stefanski almost made it sound like he might be like week to week. Well, he was out there today during the open part. He was stretching. He didn't go. If you saw my video of the wide receivers, he didn't really go through the catching part of it. So they're, they're protecting the hand. We'll see if what tomorrow brings, but I think it's, it's obviously it's not 
that serious that he wasn't even on the injury report and he, you know, he practiced. So, um, but he, he might not play. And if he's not going to catch the ball, he's not going to be much help. Schwartz right. went on an injury reserve. So he's, he's probably done for the season. Four games he's got to sit out. What, there's five left. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, Felton seems to be the next guy up. Um, or Michael Woods, and they've chosen not to dress him recently. So I think you could see Hunt use more in the slot. I mean, I, I mean that's a natural line him up. I've said it all along. It's another threat out there. You got Chubb on the field, Hunt on the field, and Joku back. I mean, you got more weapons out there, and Deshaun Watson with his legs. So why not spread him out and let Watson go one-on-one with, you know, with one of the linebackers or defensive ends or something like that. So, yeah, I think I think you might see Hunt, you know, used in multiple ways this week, but one of them could be at wide receiver for sure. Right. The the whole Michael Woods thing is a little bit curious, you know, I guess from my perspective. He uh he got a bit of hype in the preseason, uh got hurt and then uh was playing uh, and seemed to be doing okay, but they've uh, suddenly stopped dressing him the last uh, last few weeks. Uh, have you heard anything? He hasn't gotten hurt in any way or anything like that. It's been a a coach's decision not to not to play him, right? Yeah, I mean, recent weeks, uh, Demetric Felton has been getting suited up. He was inactive. They kind of rotated those guys. Schwartz actually had a turn at being inactive and. Then he got a little new lease on life, you know, with his performance against the Buccaneers, but um, now he's down. So I think ultimately <clears throat> it'll be Felton or Woods, you know, active this week. Um, and it just remains to be seen. I mean, as far as if they would uh, choose to use Hunt a little more, you know, in the wide receiver set, you know, so. They've been having Dearness Johnson active, but they haven't really used him for anything because they got four mm-hmm. returning kicks. And Johnson, the other day late in the game, I mean, Ford was put in for the mop-up duty. So he's a little curious, you know, like it just doesn't seem like Dearness Johnson's just a, you know, a gunner on the punt team or a special teams, you know, guru and a tackling machine. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with the woods. I mean, he is a seventh round pick. He started fast in training camp, then pulled his hamstring, got behind, kind of seemed to work his way back, but he's obviously not separating himself from Schwartz or bell or even Felton. So, um, I, I don't know if there, any of them are going to have a big role. Um, it's just a matter of, I think, you know, you got to have somebody out there. I thought the other day seeing Felton in there more in the slot and being used, um, I didn't know if that was because of the bell injury, the Schwartz fumble, or because Deshaun Watson was in the game and they thought maybe there might be a chance. He he had one ball thrown to him. That was one of the many bounce, two bounce right. rows to him. So. Yeah, I would think right now Hunt to me would be the best option. You know, he's, he's good hands in the wide receiver and and uh why not put him out in the slot running running some quick slants and you know, and that's more than anything with Watson. I like to see him give him some real easy throws to get in a rhythm. I think one thing that was left unsaid the other day, <coughs> they had a good drive going. And Schwartz fumbles the ball, killed the drive, right? you know, and, and sometimes quarterback needs that, you know, you just get up the line, next play, next play, next play. And all momentum was ceased. Plus he had to start from his own one yard line, I think twice in a row, right? you know, and so that kind of shoots your momentum. I also didn't like the first series of the game. You give the ball to Chubb seven yards, first play. Then mm-hmm. you threw it back to back. Why in the world didn't you just run it and run it and run it until they stopped it? Right. And then, you know, you, you know, Watson's got him really loosened up and, and make an easy throw or two to get into a rhythm. So 
hopefully they'll they'll learn from some of those things. Yeah, yeah, one would hope. Um, speaking of wide receivers, uh, you know, as we were talking about uh, about Woods, the Browns picked up uh, Jalen Darden today uh, from the Bucks. Uh, I think he's a 5'8", 170, something like that, fast guy. Uh, and he also picked up a linebacker. Uh, they picked up Darden as they put Schwartz on the IR. Uh, they put Taki Taki on the IR, unfortunately, just as he was showing some flashes. Uh, and they picked up uh, big guy Reggie Ragland, uh, I think, from Alabama, uh, where he went to college. He'd been with four teams over the last couple of years uh, at linebacker. And Eco asked us if we have any thoughts well, he doesn't ask us, he asks you, if uh, you have any thoughts on the Darden or Raglan signings, um, you know, any 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 inklings that either of these guys might be able to make an impact down the road? Well, I do. I think Darden, you know, is intriguing. They, they, they went out free agent and got Jakeem Grant, who was a Pro Bowl specialist in returns, punt and kick. He tore his Achilles <coughs> in training camp. And he might not play for the Browns, as Jack Duffin pointed out. He's got a big salary implication next year. And coming off an Achilles guy when you're 5'6", 150, you're probably a speed demon. And who knows? Coming, You know, Achilles pretty serious. So Darden seems to be in that mold. Um, I know he was the Bucks returner, and he was pretty good at it. And because they had so many, you know, top-level wide receivers like Mike Evans and Godwin and and mm-hmm. uh, the likes, I think that they felt they couldn't just keep him anymore is what I read out of Tampa and where they're at in the season. So he could be the long-term answer at punt return and kick return. We're all excited to see Peoples-Jones return a kick for a touchdown, but he cannot be your long-term answer at that position when he's a full-time wide receiver and he's shown a lot as a as a number two wide receiver so I think Darden is a long-term possibility they could bring him back in place of Grant next year I think this is kind of a tryout for him Um, I think Peoples Jones obviously will maintain that then as far as kickoff return you got Ford they like that but I think they ultimately want to move him more into a running back and so Darden could be the kick returner and punt returner, maybe even next year. So he could be a guy that could do, they like those jet sweeps and things like that. And with Schwartz gone now, he might be a guy you could put in, you know, in a game or two, you know, to do some of those things. Raglan, I asked Stefanski about him. He said that, you know, he, he came in last night. I had some video of him on the practice field. He was a little thicker, bigger than I expected him to be. I think they list him at 252. Um, hopefully he's a run-stopping, you know, linebacker. Um, I don't know what to expect. Like you said, he played 17 games for the Giants last year, but I think he was a free agent sitting around and didn't sign till November as a practice squad guy with the Raiders. So, he started like 47 games in his career. He's a guy who has experience, can step right in. I just don't know if he can play. You know, I, I don't mm-hmm. know why he's bounced around. But, you know, at this point, you know, you went through three starting middle linebackers, you know, when you went through Anthony Walker, Jacob Phillips, and now Sion Taki Taki. You know, they don't feel Deion Jones is maybe everything they were expecting because he got replaced. Um, so Raglan, I think right now is depth. You know, a guy like Jermaine Carter's been on the practice squad. They brought him up, and he's been active the last couple games. So I like Jordan Kunisik. You know, he's, he's a top special teams guy, mm-hmm. but he makes things happen, and maybe, you know, maybe he'll get a little more time, you know, in defense. But – the Bengals are going to get Mixon back. Last time the Browns stopped them against the run, I think they're going to be tested, <coughs> and they're going to try to run between the tackles. And so I think somebody, you know, Deion Jones or or Ragland or Kunisik, somebody's got to step up and and make those plays inside because Taki Taki was doing a good job, and I think that I think he showed that um, 
he he has a future here. He's a free agent after this year. But I think that mm -hmm. the Browns, I would think that they would try to extend him, especially now that he tore his ACL. I mean, that's bad for him, but probably good for the Browns because um, I doubt if he'll be sought after as a free agent. You know, right? We've seen that before. Unfortunately, if he can't help the Browns next year, they probably won't be in a hurry to extend him, as we saw with Tack McKinley and mm -hmm. you know, and and guys like that, uh, uh, Olivier Vernon. You know, they get hurt at end of the year and they just kind of drift off into Never Neverland. But I think Taki Taki's young enough that um, I think they'll be able to keep him around. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate for. Uh... Talkie talkie and unfortunate for the team that uh, the timing of this injury with him, like I said, starting to show, you know, flashes uh, at, uh, at linebacker. Um, at any rate, uh, I just want to warn the group that uh, we are down to three questions from the chat room. So you're running dangerously close to the level where uh, I bring up arm wrestling again uh, and we revisit that topic. Uh, so you have been threatened with the worst. Uh, question from Mr. Robinson, uh, and he asked, Fred, do you see Watson throwing it 30-plus times this game, bootlegs, rollouts, RPOs, and play action, get Watson moving? Uh, so uh, do you see uh, a, a big dose of passing against Burrow and, and uh, uh, the Bengals uh, this weekend? Well, I don't know if I see a big dosage of passing. Um, what I do see is – <clears throat> obviously it was his first game, but I want to think that Kevin Stefanski and, and the, the coaches felt they could lean on the running game against the Texans and, and be in control of the game. And in the second half, Stefanski said, so they said that they felt the defense had the Texans under control and they were able to just kind of write out the clock is the way I saw it. And, and just not really, they wanted him to get, you know, get him, get as many reps. But I also think there was an element they didn't want to show much. And that makes sense. You know, I think that I said it earlier. I think if you can use his legs, getting him out of the pocket, getting him on the run. And like you said, either, either run the ball designed to the sideline and if a spy's on him and he can dump it over, you know, to a tight end or a back, that's your that's your best thing going because it, it you can be rusty. I mean, I'm assuming that his legs are not as rusty as his arm. And so, you know, roll him out and let him use his legs. I think there's nothing more disheartening, you know, to a defensive player when you watch Lamar Jackson against the Browns and they've got him, they've got all the receivers smothered and then, you know, it's third and 15. And then you saw him scrambling for 16 yards, to get a first down, you know, right? we didn't see that much the last couple years year or the last year with JOK and some of those guys. And that's one of the reasons they went and got him. And so I think that, you know, I don't know. The Bengals have athletic players, obviously, but if you could put together a, a little package of having him, you know, run pass option, getting him out of the pocket, you know, like was said there, I think that puts pressure on the defense. And then, then something breaks down downfield and, and, you know, and he throws that bomb. So I don't think they're going to come in and say, hey, we're going to rely on your arm to throw the ball 30, 40 times. I don't think that's right. the way to go. But – I would, if I was to pick one area, I'd, I'd rely on his legs. I'd say, go, let's, let's really design some runs and play action, you know, with him using his athleticism. <clears throat> All right. I am marking some questions. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, apparently my threats were being taken seriously and we just got a flood of questions. So thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, next question coming in from a red leader. Uh, and this is about Jamar Chase. Now there is uh, no love lost apparently, 
between Jamar Chase and the Browns defensive backs. It is one of the uh, plot lines <laughs> going into this game. Some of the things that have been said between the two groups. Um, and uh, apparently uh, uh, Jamar Chase uh, says the Browns DBs talk a lot and uh, uh, the Browns DBs have responded. And Red Leader wants to know whether Ward or Emerson, in your opinion, is a better match against Chase uh, at this point in time. Mm. That's a really hard question because uh, I don't know if anyone's a good match against Jamar Chase at this point, but I'll give you your shot at it, Fred. Yeah, you know, Chase didn't play the Halloween game. I don't know how big of a factor. <coughs> if I remember right, Ward didn't play either. Um, and so, I don't know. I like Ward's experience. He's done well. You know, when he had Chase um, that game last year, he set the tone with that 99-yard interception. Who knows what would have happened if that play wouldn't have happened because the Bengals were – you know, right on the verge of taking a seven, nothing lead. And as it was, then the Browns took a seven, nothing lead. So it was probably a 14 point swing. Um, I like Emerson's physicality. I know he's a little aggressive and he's, you know, I've seen him a couple of times get beat because of his aggressiveness. And I'm, I'm afraid that he might get taken advantage of being over aggressive against chase, but I wouldn't be afraid to put him, you know, against him, uh, obviously they got three good wide receivers, you know, and Boyd, Higgins, and Chase. So mm -hmm. their tight end's going to be out. So you got at least three corners that ought to be able to to man-to-man -man those guys with Newsom's healthy, Ward's healthy, and Emerson's healthy. I, I just – I think that Joe Woods, they just have to – who's the best matchup with each guy, you know, and whether it's assign them the whole game or rotate them around, I don't know. But, you know, I, I like elements. I like Emerson's physicality. He's bigger. He's stronger. Um, but he, he doesn't have the experience, and, and you hate to see him get suckered into, you know, a, a long pass and get beat because – you know, of inexperience, but right. You know, if they can do it from the line of scrimmage, you know, Hey, give him a, give him a shot, see what he can do. I mean, it's no slouch if you put him on Boyd or Higgins, you know, either right. they, they got to cover all three of them. So mm -hmm. I like the Browns are built for this type of a team, you know, and even with Newsom and green, you got some depth and, and they should be full go, you know, I would think by this weekend. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, <clears throat> Najoku didn't play the first game. I think that that he will help, you know, give Watson another weapon there. Somebody asked about that. But I think Watt, Ward, Emerson, you know, I don't know. Think about this. You know, the last three times Burroughs played the Browns, he's thrown an interception on the first series. Mm -hmm. You know, last time it was when Miles Garrett tipped it and A.J. Green intercepted it, and then the Ward won, you know, the 99-yarder, and and uh, he also had one the year before on the first series. So you hate to say that that's the tone setter um, because if you don't get it, you don't want it to all go south. But <laughs> right. um, it does seem like, you know, momentum, the defense is created in the last two games for sure I'm not counting the one last year against the JV team, but the one in Cincinnati last year that was probably the best game of the year for the Browns, mm. only 14, I think. The defense set the tone from the get-go, and they had turnovers. The first time this year on Halloween, the defense set the tone, had turnovers, you know, and uh, Taki Taki played a big role in that. He had that strip sack fumble that the Browns recovered. So – Hopefully they're aggressive and they can create some turnovers and keep, keep in Joe Burrow's head. You know, we know that he's good enough that sooner or later, you know, he's going to overcome this, but right now the Browns have a little, you know, a little bit in, in his head, you know, of being able to overcome and beat, beat the Browns.
Yeah, you know that uh, Miles Garrett certainly uh, has his attention. Uh, uh, Burrow was asked earlier today, uh, you know, is there something special about the Browns' defense that you don't see from other defenses? And Burrow responded something about, well, they've got a guy named Miles Garrett. That's different from other other defenses. Um, and uh, let's let's explore the, the David and Joku thing a little bit more. We got, have two questions, as you noted: Super Surge M, uh, MC and uh, Andrew uh, Burlisle. Uh, I think hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, both asked about Njoku and how that impacts um, uh, Deshaun Watson. And I would think it would impact his effectiveness a, a great deal. Uh, Watson used tight ends uh, significantly in 2020 uh, when he was with the Houston Texans. I think he completed like 70 passes to tight ends that year. Um, do you think that, that, that having Watson back is – going to make a significant difference to uh, how Watson looks, having that safety valve with uh, Njoku out there. Um, you know, do you think it would have made a difference last week, Fred, uh, if Njoku had been out there? Yeah, I think you were saying Njoku would make a difference, not Watson. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it would have made a difference last week. I mean, when you're bouncing the ball in, you yeah. know, I mean, that, that was just nerves, you know, he's hanging on the ball to eight, you know, like a, it was like elongated spike. Um, but <clears throat> with that said, they won without Najoku, but he's obviously one of the biggest playmakers on the team, as we saw, you know, when he made that play against Tampa Bay or they would have lost that game. So, yeah, I think that he's more athletic than Harrison Bryant and maybe he can scramble and get himself open. Like I was saying, even in the run pass option, if Najoku can just go like parallel, like five, six yards in front of Watson and shake himself open. So if they cut off the run, they can dump it to him. It'd be a much easier throw to be able to, to throw it five, six yards, you know, in front of you than, than some of the others. So, yeah, I think that, that he will make a difference. He's your third leading receiver. Mm. He's had a really good year and he's missed three games. So um, they, they need, they need all the playmakers they can get. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's what we talked about earlier, getting the ball to hunt and Chubb. And now you have Najoku back and people's Jones and Cooper. I want to see him get Cooper more involved. You know, I think he only had four catches the other day. Um, I think a lot of it was just the the rust of Watson. Mm -hmm. He just wasn't throwing the ball sharp. So, I mean, I, I don't know how you – it's got to be, you know, it, it obviously is game speed because I'd watched him in practice and what we can watch and the players that were going against him on scout team said he was putting the ball where nobody else could get it. And this was guys like Denzel Ward, Martin Emerson, and Greg Newsom who were going against him in the scout. So he didn't seem to be affected, you know, in practice, you know, playing the role of Lamar Jackson or, or you know, Tom Brady or, or the different guys he was, you know, emulating on the scout team. But it obviously is a different – I think nerves played in. He's human. He was in a hostile environment. They were booing him the whole game, and it's going to be like that. Yeah. But I just think that, you know, when you're uptight and you're trying so hard to make a play, I think his true athleticism didn't show. And hopefully, you know, it will this week. And uh, that's where I say maybe get him loosened up, run outside the pocket, you know, and let it rip and and break break a play or two with your legs and then maybe things will open up. So <clears throat> we've seen Stefanski in the second game with Brissett this year. He was much better. We saw mm -hmm. last year with Mayfield his first game, you know, um, you know, against, well, maybe it's two years ago in 20. Remember how awful he looked against the Ravens in the season opener, they got to be like 38 to six. And then he played the Bengals and lit it up in a second game. So I'm, I'm confident Stefanski will have a plan in place and all this week, 
after seeing him on what, even if it's dumbing it down to a few plays, he can really excel at and then, then go from there. You know, I thought he would be rusty, but I thought at some point, you know, he would put together a drive and really look in rhythm and look good. And there was a lot of things stacked against him starting at the one yard line, Schwartz fumbling the ball. Obviously he killed himself with that interception, but you know, I'm kind of anxious to see how he looks this week. Again, I mean, the Bengals, they don't necessarily have a lot to prepare on, you know, that film did, I don't think it would help them any other than make them real overconfident. Right. Right. Uh, let's, uh, hang on a second here. Uh, I, uh, have a couple of questions about offensive line play. And I want to dig into that. Um, dig into that right now. Here's a question from uh, Rocky Balboa, uh, the boxer apparently, uh, on YouTube. And he asked, how much did the leaky O-line have to do with Watson's play? Um, there was a, a lot of discussion, I think, mostly in the Twitch chat room about uh, how – you know, bad the O-line really was uh, against the Texans. Um, I thought that there were real issues with the O-line. I, I don't think Teller's been playing up to snuff because of his injury. Uh, you know, Froholt, as, as we've noted, they're saying he's doing fairly well, but the, the middle of the offensive line seems a little bit leaky. And I want to talk about Jed Wills a little bit as well. But uh, do you think that um, the offensive line, you know, last week, um, hurt Watson, didn't give Watson enough time back there? Or do you think that Watson was uh, rushing things a little bit or that the game was seemed a little bit fast to him? I think it was a little both. I mean, the last year he played with the Texans, I think he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he was sacked 62 times. They were 4-12 and 12 and they had a really bad offensive line. So he's used to playing – you know, with a line that doesn't help him <clears throat> and his head's on a swivel. But in your first game back, um, I think you can expect you want, you know, a little more time to collect your thoughts and see the field. So, right. yeah, I don't know what the offensive line, you know, why it's such a problem this year. You got the same coach and you got pretty much the same players. Um, you know, the biggest difference is J.C. Treader's not in there who, who might've held things together. Obviously it's some injuries and these guys aren't healthy. It seems like Conklin really hasn't come back completely from what he was like before his injury. So, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't help things, but um, that's where I say, okay, roll Watson out, get him, let him, let him throw on the run a little bit. You know, and if it's, he doesn't have anything, just pound in, take off for the sideline, pick up that five, six, seven yards. Right. You know, and put yourself in a shorter, you know, second and short, third and short type of situation. Yeah. I I think, you know, speaking of Conklin uh, and in uh, the tackle situation in general, I, I, I you know me, I'm a glass half empty guy. I, I think we got problems to tackle, right? And you know, Manimal talks a little bit about it here in his comment as well. He asked, what can coaching do to get Wills to be motivated for the whole game instead of being a matador in a bull ring? I've seen, you know, a lot of film clips in, in our Slack channel and elsewhere where uh, Wills doesn't look like he's – maintaining throughout an entire play where it looks like he's sort of given up on a play at, at times. Uh, he, he just doesn't look like he's going hundred percent all the time. H- have you noticed that? Do you think that's the case? You know, am I seeing something that isn't there? Um, Callahan's a great coach, obviously. Um, if anyone can motivate Wills, you would think it would be, be Callahan. Um, do you think that the, the Browns are going to have to look at the tackle position in the offseason, basically, is what I'm asking? I, I would think so. I mean, you know, the one thing that's a little troubling is, you know, back to that draft, 
I think they let Bill Callahan kind of pick who they who he thought was the best. And, mm-hmm. you know, that Andrew Thomas with the Giants has played very well. I think he's been grading like top five. Right. And Tristan Wirfs, I think he's out now, but he was has been one of the top five. And Wills, <coughs> I'm not an expert on judging offensive line other than, like you say, just, you know, the watching it when it's happening and I've been around the guy and I don't know how, I don't want to stereotype, but he just seems like a soft type individual. He's a nice guy. He's quiet, but he just doesn't seem tough. And I I think, you know, there's something to be said almost like on an offensive lineman, you kind of want a nasty type guy, right. you know, that streak on the field. Joel Batonio is a nice guy, but he's nasty on the field. I mean, he, he pile drives those guys and Teller when he's on is kind of like that too. And I just don't see it with Wills. I see kind of the same thing. He, he, he doesn't seem to give a care, you know, like, Oh, okay. Big deal. You know? Mm-hmm. And you know, you'd like to see more toughness. In it. So I think a lot of it's going to come down to Callahan. I've heard how tough he is on the guys. And I would think he'd be all over these guys and maybe he's just not, he's just not listening anymore to Callahan. I don't know, but you would think he would be all over him. Maybe a change of scenery, maybe moving back to right tackle. I don't know if, but that creates another big problem. Then you still don't have a left tackle. I don't, I don't know what they think about Hudson. You know, if Hudson is ready, they would probably replace Conklin, you know, thinking he's moving on. Um, So I don't know. I mean, it's it's how it is in the NFL. Once you think you're you're set, you're not set. You know, you you gotta constantly keep upgrading. And left tackle <coughs> is a big, big deal. If right if you decide he's not the guy, kind of like Baker wasn't the guy, then you have to address it and you're really not in a position to draft one again. You're probably, you know, gonna have to develop a guy, you know, in a second, third round pick. Um or spend a lot of money to get a free agent. How many left tackles become available in free agency? Top ones, none of them. They all right. get franchised if they're going to be a free agent. So, you know, you might be stuck with what you have. You might, I don't know. I don't know how you can get the. A lot of this is like what I've talked about on defense. You got to have the want to. And, you know, Wells had said the right things. In training camp, he said, this is going to be my turnaround year, you know, and he said all these nice sound bites, mm-hmm. like he was down on his last year. He didn't think he played well. He had the injury, but he didn't want to make excuses. He played through it, but, you know, he was going to show everybody what that he was, you know, top line, you know, left tackle this year, and I haven't really seen it, so. You know, he's got he's got five games to step up and show what he can do. But if he doesn't, Brown's gonna have, you know, some problems. So I think he's this is his third year, right? So mm-hmm. you know, last year would next year would be his final year, and then you have to decide, you know, the pick up the fifth year option deal. So you pro you probably have him two more years, but if you think he's not the answer, then you start looking hard to try to find a replacement. Yeah. It, it, the Browns are not in the best situation here. <clears throat> there is some way to transfuse Wyatt Teller's gator throttling attitude into Jed Wills. <laughs> you know, yeah. Jed, everything I hear about Jed Wills is he's got all the ability in the world. You know, that's why Joe Thomas loved him uh, when he was picked. That's probably why Callahan liked him when he was picked. Uh, he's got all the ability. He's just got to have that uh, that that want to, like you said. Uh, and uh, one hopes that he gets that somehow uh, over this next year and a half and makes the Browns' decision easy. Um, interesting question from Fumble13. Uh, Schwartz obviously has been with the team uh, for a little while now, uh, but is now on the IR uh, and has struggled during his tenure here. Um, one wonders if... Schwartz is going to get another shot with the team uh, when he comes back next year. Um, 
he would still be under contract, right, friend? Yeah, he's only a second year, so he's under contract for two more years. <clears throat> What's concerning, you know, is the concussion. Last year, he got knocked out against the Patriots, and I didn't think he was ever the same. He missed, he only missed a couple games, I think, but I think it might have been around a bye. So it really lingered for three or four weeks. And I think they put him in right at the very end of the year. He got a touchdown against the Bengals. They were trying to get him going. But I think his confidence and his and he was a little concerned about getting hit. I think that's part of his fumbles and his drop passes. We saw it in training camp. And I felt it was because he still hadn't got over his concussion, really. I mean, he physically he's over it, but in the back of his mind, he's worried about getting hit. And so with a receiver, you know, that's a concern. He talked about his struggles with mental health. He talked about, you know, feeling last year like it was his fault when Mayfield got hurt and, you know, and getting the concussion. So I don't know if his con- career's over, you know, because the Browns are giving up on him, but mm-hmm. they obviously didn't give up on him, you know, from earlier this year and they were working him back in. It didn't help to fumble the ball again. Um, just when they were starting to get confidence in going to him. But I think more than anything, the concussion, um, that tells me it's kind of severe. It's his, at least his second. And we saw with Denzel Ward, I mean, after he had, you know, a couple, in his rookie year, you know, he was out for a while this year. Greg Newsom got a concussion for the second year in a row and missed a couple games. So that's what concerns you, you know, especially receiver getting hit. But I think they'll bring him back to training camp, see what they have. They have nothing to lose at this point. Third year of a four-year third-round pick contract isn't, you know, isn't uh, – you know, cost prohibitive mm-hmm. unless they got better options, you know, and that's what I said, you know, maybe a guy like Darden, you know, can, can be that receiver, that type of a guy. Um, but yeah, I would say 50, 50 at this point going forward. If they, if part of the reason he's on the team is because they didn't have really too many options this year. The only real guy they brought in was David Bell and he's had a decent year, but, nothing spectacular. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, you know, Darden may give Schwartz a little competition (laughs) that brings out the best in uh, best in both athletes. Um, Another question here, this one from uh, our buddy, OG Philly. Uh, He wants to know if Njoku uh, is becoming a vocal leader now, sort of feels like he's taking that on. What do you think, Fred? Um, say that again. Najoku. Uh, Najoku. Okay, I was reading some. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's been stepping up and I've been pleased with him. The Browns gave him that big contract, which was kind of without production, kind of more on potential. And instead of just cashing in, he has made plays and he's had a good year today. You know, he talked, I quoted him in, in my story that he, on the cuff, he talked to us and, and he said that, you know, they have to go on a run. This is a big game and, and, uh, and he wants to be a part of it and he wants to be a part of that turnaround. So, yeah, I think, I think that his play is showing and giving him confidence in even being, you know, a vocal leader on the offense. Fair enough. Well, it's good to see. We need uh, we need guys like that, or the team needs guys like that. You know, this comment about, I'll say, I know that Schwartz got the concussion against the Patriots. The He was talking about he pulled up short and didn't go break up the pass that Mayfield ended up getting hurt on. It was to Schwartz. I didn't say he had a concussion on that play. I said that he was upset with himself because he felt it was his fault that Mayfield dislocated his shoulders because is that the comment you is that the comment that I put up on the screen Fred that you're responding to okay yeah that yeah um he did quit on the ball he he could have went up and and knocked it down so it wasn't intercepted I was talking about 
he got a concussion in the Patriots game and then he wasn't the same the rest of the year. Those are two different things. But okay. he talked about this training camp that he had mental issues feeling it was his fault that Mayfield got hurt. That's that's what I was talking about there, not okay. the concussion. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, I, I just want to thank everybody for the great questions tonight. We have uh, exhausted uh, the questions that you sent me. I've got a couple from ATI uh, that I'm, I, I want to go through here um, uh, in the last couple of minutes that we have. A question from James1234 in Ask the Insiders. Um, he, he asked, what's the likelihood that Stefanski goes in and brings in Wisconsin's Jim Leonard um, or Leonard as, uh, as defensive coordinator next year? Uh, he played for us and is a really good defensive coordinator that could get more out of the talent that we have on defense. Players love playing for him. Could he really allow it? He could really allow us to dominate on defense with his scheme. Don't know how much you know about uh, him at Wisconsin, but he's a very highly regarded defensive coordinator. Uh, young guy. Uh, is he the type of guy that, uh, based on what you know about him, uh, that, uh, uh, that you would see – the team bringing in uh, or would you see them going for an older, more experienced coordinator? Well, first of all, I don't know his relationship with Kevin Stefanski, but right. Leonard played for Mike Pettin and Mike Pettin, when he was hired as a coach, here is one of the first guys he signed. If you remember, he was a safety hard nosed mm -hmm. journeyman safety. And yeah, those guys usually are great coaches because they're not a superstar. They, they, they put their nose in there. They, they work hard. They're a student of the game. And everything I've heard about him, you know, he, he would be an ascending coach and, and could bring toughness to this defense. But it comes down to what does Stefanski, what's his relationship with, does he know Jim Leonard? Does he have a relationship with him? Typically, those are what they look for in the connections. Um, so we'll see. Um I think he would be a good choice from what I know. I He hasn't – he played in the NFL. There's a, obviously a big difference motivating college kids as opposed to NFL players that make yeah. a lot of money. Um, and that's the big question there. But, you know, I, I feel like they, they need a new voice in the defensive side of the ball. And, uh, you know, if, if they turn things around, I don't know. I still think that they may move on from Joe Woods regardless, but I think Jim Leonard would be a, a solid candidate. You know, at least I have to know who else is available. I do too. I think he's done a remarkable job at Wisconsin. I think the challenge there is that he's going to be high in demand. You know, I think he'll be in demand at, for head coaching jobs at the college level and as defensive coordinator in the NFL it's not going to be a matter of the, the Browns sort of going and plucking him off a shelf. I think they'll have to compete for him, uh, but uh, would love to see him here. Uh, I, I think he's outstanding. Um, but then again, I've got a Big Ten bias, so <laughs> take that as it is. We got one last question that just popped into chat. Uh, this is from uh, Rocky again, and he just wants to know, if we think that, uh, or if you think that John Johnson is going to be on this team next year and we'll close the show with that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm always of the opinion, unless you got a better option, you don't move on from somebody he's under contract. I think it's pretty significant. I know our analytics people and the salary cap think that they need to move on from him because he's not producing. Um, well, that's fine. You got to have a better. You got to have a better option. You know, maybe they can restructure. I think he's a good player. You know, maybe he's just not in the right role or not being used right. I don't know how a guy could be like a linchpin in one of the best defenses in the NFL, like he was with the Rams. But he's a bust here. You know, is it because he got the money? You know, or whatever. But um, I would say right now, they would find a way to bring him back but anything could change. I mean, when you don't have dra high draft picks, it you know, I don't know. You're going to have to get a free agent then, unless you think D'Anthony Bell is the answer. 
you know, an undrafted guy who we haven't seen enough of to even play. Um, right. Harrison's on the last year of his thing. The only one you really have back, you know, is Delpit. Um, so right now, unless you got a better option, I think, I think he would be back. All right. Fair enough. Well, thanks everybody. Once again, for the great <laughs> questions, it's good to see some new folks out there asking questions this week. Um, please keep coming back. Love to hear from you. And uh, we will see you again uh, next Wednesday night at 7 p.m. for OBR Weekly. Uh, for Fred Greetham, I'm Barry McBride. Uh, we'll see you again next week. So long. Thanks. <laughs>